with the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. Back to throw is Darnold, looks left, has time, looks over the middle, fires one down the left sideline, towards the end zone, Robbie Anderson, he's got it, that's a Jet touchdown. Darnold takes the snap, looks right, throws right up the middle, he's got the ball, pal, in stride at the 15, at the 10, he's in the end zone, that's a Jet touchdown. Sam Darnold hit him in stride. Winning a Super Bowl is everyone's goal. Everyone on the team wants to win a Super Bowl. Anything short of that is a failure. And whatever my role is, I'm going to start in that role to work us towards that Super Bowl. One, two, three. And the This is the Gang Nation Podcast with Michael Nash. Hello and welcome back to the Gang Green Nation podcast. I'm your host, Michael Nania, and we are back after a, few, a couple of weeks off here with the holiday break. We're not able to talk about the Jets' loss to the Packers last week, but we're back this week to talk about the Jets' season finale, a 38-3 blowout loss in Foxborough as the Jets finish the season 4-12 and and are in line to pick third overall in the 2019 draft. So we'll talk plenty about the draft and free agency and the coaching search. Of course, Todd Bowles was fired immediately after the final game on this Black Monday. So plenty to talk about with that over the next few weeks, next few months, throughout the entire offseason. And it's a long offseason in the NFL. We are going to be talking about all these things plenty over the next few months. So for now with this episode, we'll focus on the Jets' season finale in New England and discuss some of the things that we noticed in that one. So we'll, we'll start with Sam Darnold. Obviously, the last two episodes, we focus solely On Darnold. So we'll talk about him a little bit before we get into some of the other things that happened. And this game in Foxborough was definitely the worst performance from Darnold in this four game stretch to finish the season. But I do think that this was, and this is a really, really tough bar to clear. I do think that this was probably the worst help that Darnold has gotten in a game this year. And like I said, very, very tough thing to beat with the way the Jets have played, the way the Jets have supported Darnold this year. But Everything was going against Darnold in this game. The offensive line really struggled in pass protection after playing a little bit better in that phase recently. Uh, The run game struggled a lot. The Jets couldn't get anything going on the ground. Darnold had a 28-yard run early on in this game, but Elijah McGuire carried the ball 18 times for 41 yards, and Elijah McGuire got the chance uh, down the stretch of the season to show, make his case to be a bigger part of the offense next season. And in the run game, it hasn't really clicked for him now. He's averaging about 3.3 yards per carry over his two seasons in the league. And since the start of 2017, among all players in the NFL with at least as many carries as McGuire, that's 54 total running backs. McGuire's last in the league in rushing yards per carry. And obviously the Jets do have a very bad run blocking offensive line. They might have been the worst run blocking unit in the league this year. Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Powell put up way better production than McGuire did this year behind the same exact offensive line. So uh, I think in the run game, McGuire, he struggles with his vision and his patience. Sometimes he's cutting it up too early. Sometimes he's trying to bounce it up outside instead of taking the hole up the middle. He's He doesn't break a lot of tackles, even though his elusiveness is really good once he does get in the open field. He doesn't break a lot of tackles behind the line and get that two or three or four yard first down gain instead of uh, negative two yard, negative one yard stuff on first down. There's a big difference between those hidden yards and We talked about it a lot this season. The Jets have been the most stuffed team in the league on first and second down carries this year. And because of that, Sam Darnold has had to throw a higher portion of his total passing attempts 
from third down and fourth down and long than any other quarterback in the league. And those early down stuffs are a really big reason why. And even though a lot of that is on the offensive line, which has really struggled in the run game this year, all five guys, everyone who's played for the Jets up front this year has struggled in the run game. The Jets arguably don't have a plus run blocker on that offensive line. They, even though the offensive line has struggled, McGuire, when he's been out there, has been stuffed even more frequently than the rest of the Jets running backs have just because of his issues with vision and making the right decisions with the football in his hands, taking negative two yard, negative one yard runs, trying to make it into a bigger play instead of just taking the three or four yard first down run and moving on. But I did talk about McGuire's elusiveness and the area where that does show up is in the passing game. This is an area where McGuire definitely, even if he can't figure it out in the run game or ever be a bell cow back, this is where McGuire can definitely have a lot of impact going forward in the NFL, hopefully with the Jets, maybe if they do get Le'Veon Bell as a compliment to him, and even beyond the Jets, or if the Jets don't get Bell, I do think that the pass game is an area where Elijah Maguire should have a lot of value. He converted 11 of his 19 receptions this season into a first down. That's 58%, and it's right online with where he was last season when he converted 10 of his 17 receptions in 2017 into first downs. That's 59%. So You put those two numbers together, since he's entered the league, he's turned 21 of his 36 catches into a first down. That's about 58%, and that is by far the best in the league among qualified running backs who have gotten significant opportunities in the receiving game. That's an elite number for running backs in a class of his own. So that area right there is where McGuire can have a lot of value going forward, even if he isn't going to be a running back one like you hoped he would prove down the stretch of this season. In the receiving game, he could have value when you get him out in space and you let him go one-on-one, he, he's very elusive in the open field, has nice burst. When he doesn't have to make decisions in the trenches, that's where you can really see his athleticism flash. And, and he's really used those skills to be one of the most productive receiving backs in the league since he was drafted by the Jets last year. So McGuire, even though he hasn't been able to prove himself as a potential future starter, he does look like he could be a real asset in the passing game. So Back to Darnold and some of the help the Jets gave him in this game. Darnold was sacked four times in this game for 32 yards, one of the highest sack totals the Jets have had this season. And I think the low sack totals for the Jets this season are obviously a lot having a lot to do with Darnold's mobility, the fact that Jets have gotten the ball out quickly this year. But the offensive line did struggle a lot in this game in pass protection, and Darnold was flustered from the beginning. He had his first sack fumble of the season this year, and I have to take responsibility for this because – I was putting out stats all over the past couple weeks about how historic it was that Darnold hasn't fumbled on a sack yet. All these records he would break, doubling the rookie record, joining Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees as only starters this decade to pass the ball that many times without fumbling on a sack. I put all these numbers out there and I absolutely knew I was jinxing him and he was going to fumble the ball in one of these past couple games. It didn't happen against Green Bay. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not going to jinx him. But it happened in the third quarter of this Pats game. Darnold was under pressure and he lost the ball as he was about to get hit. So his first sack fumble this season, the Pats brought it back for a touchdown. So unfortunately, Darnold can't finish the season completely clean without fumbling the football. But that was his first true fumble of the season. In the box score, I believe he's about five fumbles to his credit. But most of those were either a bad snap by Spencer Long or a botched handoff. That was the fall of Isaiah Crowell. So this was his first real fumble of the season. And that's really promising because he had a lot of problems with fumbling at USC. That was one of his biggest questions coming into the league. So to only fumble the ball one time all season and not fumble it until week 17, very promising for Darnold. He clearly emphasized ball security from the beginning and it really worked out for him. So that's promising 
going forward. And also, Darnold didn't throw a pick in this game, and there weren't really any interception-worthy balls in this one either. So since he came back, Darnold only threw the one pick against Buffalo, but he finishes the season with zero interceptions over his last three games. So really promising ball security from Darnold to finish the season in terms of getting his interception totals down and over the course of the whole year, only fumbling once over the course of the season. So that's really promising. But talking about some more of the help that Darnold got in this game, there were a lot of drops in this one. I think this was one of the worst performances from the skill position group this season. Robbie Anderson had a really, really good previous three weeks, getting a really good rapport going with Darnold, but he struggled in this game. Anderson was targeted eight times, picked up only 24 yards on three catches. Uh, he lost uh, quite a few contested catch situations with Stefan Gilmore. He had a chance to get what would have been a miraculous touchdown off a tipped ball from Chris Herndon, failed at a chance to get that. So Anderson really struggled in this game, had a few balls hit his hands that he was able to that he couldn't hold on to and Gilmore knocked out. So I think a game like this, you look at who Robbie Anderson was playing next to, Andre Roberts, Sharon Peak, J.J. Jones off the practice squad. So he's got no help out there. So he's clearly the number one option. So he's having to run a lot of routes and being put in a lot of contested catch situations that really don't fit his skill set. So when that happens and you're on the road and playing against a really good corner and Stefan Gilmore, you're going to see Anderson struggle in games like this, but that's just not a skill set. We saw over the past three weeks what Anderson can do when teams are respecting his speed and he can make them pay for with the deep ball. So this week it didn't click. Uh, Darnold didn't get a lot of help from Anderson, and Chris Herndon also struggled in this one. He had a really, really good throw from Darnold on the run, dropped it in towards the back pylon, back right pylon of the end zone, and it, Herndon let the jump ball get into his chest. It bounced off. And that's the play I was talking about. Uh, Robbie Anderson actually had a chance to get in there and recover that for a touchdown, but it hit the ground right before Anderson could get it. But that's a ball that Herndon has to go up and try to attack with his hands and not let hit his body in a contested catch situation, uh, going up in the air to try and grab the ball in the end zone. So that was a disappointing play from Herndon. And I believe he had one other drop as well. And also Trent Cannon in this game, he had a really nice, it was a nice route. He ran a nice wheel route down the right sideline, and Darnold threw a perfect dime in there into the hands of Cannon, but went right through his hands for yet another drop for him this season. And Cannon, he he has the speed. You know he has the speed. But he can't play. He's not a great runner. He doesn't have enough power to get anything going between the tackles. So you hoped he would have either some special teams or pass game value. But when your hands are as shaky as his hands have been with all the drops he's had this season the muff punts throughout the preseason. And I believe he had one or two here in the regular season. His hands just don't seem NFL level. So if you're not going to be able to get the football in your hands to run with it, you're not going to be able to maximize your speed and have value with it. So Cannon really struggled with his hands this season. If Cannon had even average hands for a running back this season, I think we could feel confident about him potentially being something for this team going forward. But with his inability to just hang on to the football and get it into hands and be able to produce something with it. With his struggles to catch the football this season, I'm really skeptical that Cannon is ever going to be a contributor for the Jets. And he left a lot of yards on the field for Darnold this season. Probably one of the guys who hurt Darnold the most statistically with his drops this year. So Darnold didn't get a lot of help in this game. And also the refereeing in this game, I, it's not something that I was complaining about with the Jets being 4-11 and and obviously the draft race. It wasn't something that... I was too heated about, but if this were a game that mattered, I'd be really 
disappointed with the way this game was called. I think uh, we talked about Stefan Gilmore and Robbie Anderson. It was still a matchup that Anderson struggled with because Gilmore got really physical with him all game, broke up a lot of passes, and Anderson struggled to get all the 50-50 balls in this game. But Gilmore, there were multiple times, at least three times, including one time in the red zone, where Gilmore was making two-hand contact with Anderson without even looking back at the football, and there was no flag thrown. So if this were a game that mattered, I'd be really disappointed. And um, Anderson was uh, really upset with it throughout the game, and he had every right to be because there were a lot of missed passer interference calls in this game that would have helped Anderson, helped Darnold, and hopefully allow the Jets to at least get one touchdown on the board because one of them was in on a fourth down play in the red zone, in the back of the end zone, on a potential Darnold to Anderson touchdown. But either way, the Jets didn't give Darnold a lot of help in this game, and he was you can clearly see from the beginning, Foxborough is a tough place to play as a young quarterback. The Pats have never lost to a 23-and-under quarterback at home, and they've never lost to a rookie quarterback at home. And Patrick Mahomes was the only 23-and-under quarterback to post a 100-plus quarterback rating against the Patriots in Foxborough. So it's really tough for a rookie quarterback to play there. The Pats have proven they know how to play against a young quarterback in their own building and make life tough for them. And you could clearly see from the beginning that Darnold was going to have those troubles in this game. So even though Darnold did fumble it for the first time this season, even though his production was really lackluster, he was under six yards per attempt in this game, I think he did a really good job preventing throwing the ball into traffic. He had no picks in this game, and I think he deserved that number. Sometimes quarterbacks have games where they don't throw a pick, but they actually threw a lot of balls that should have been intercepted. I don't think this was that kind of game for Darnold. I think he took care of the ball in terms of avoiding interception-worthy passes really well in this game. So let's talk a little bit about the other side of the football. Uh, the Jets were missing a lot of bodies in this game on defense. Tremaine Johnson missed this game. Morris Claiborne missed this game. Uh, it ends. It wraps up a really disappointing second half for Claiborne. Early on, Claiborne was deflecting a lot of passes, making some big plays, putting up some really good numbers in coverage, but he was benefiting from a lot of bad throws, not getting targeted when he was beat, some drops. So he was getting lucky quite a bit early on, but I do think he's playing pretty solid to start the year. But over the second half, he definitely took a huge dip, just like he did last season. Uh, he suffered a midseason injury in 2017, came back afterwards, and really struggled over the second part of the season. And that happened again this season. There wasn't an obvious injury with Claiborne this season. That happened like last year when he missed one game. I believe it was against Tampa Bay last year. But there wasn't that one obvious just injury moment that led to the collapse for Claiborne. But he just started to decline into the second half of the season. Really, really struggled in this second half, he started playing off a lot. He was giving a lot of free yardage underneath, and teams just ate up against him. Uh, he, draw, he drew a lot of the tough matchups against Green Bay, Devontae Adams. He covered DeAndre Hopkins the most against Houston. He's drawn a lot of the tough matchups over Tremaine Johnson playing on that right side of the field, and he definitely has struggled a lot with those matchups. So Claiborne had a really tough second half of the season. Tremaine Johnson missed this game also, and this was a really disappointing season from Johnson. This is the second highest paid corner in football. And I think that when the Jets signed him, you didn't expect him to be the second best corner in football. He never was close to that with the Rams, but you expected him expected him to be someone who could make a lot of plays for you, make life tough for the opposing team's top receivers, and be able to be at least a top 20, top 15 kind of guy, a legit solid number one corner that who, who can press the line, who you could blitz with and feel comfortable. He's going to survive on an island against top receivers, the kind of guy that Todd Bowles would want to have in his defense. And I think that most of the blame for Johnson's struggles this season just have to fall on him alone. I think this is a guy who's 
already 28 years old. He's going to be 29 on January 1st. And cornerback is a very athleticism-based position. And we saw it with Darrell Reeves a couple years ago. It's just not a promising sign for corners as they go into their 30s. They hit the wall as they hit that age. They lose their athleticism. And Johnson has, I just think he's clearly lost his speed this season. I, maybe it's injury and he'll come back better next season. But his, he, you can't press up if you don't have recovery speed to be able to catch up with guys if they beat you off the line. And Johnson doesn't have that. He didn't have it this year. So I know fans like to complain that Bulls didn't press him up enough, but even when he did, Johnson was struggling a lot. So he's playing off most of the year, gave out a lot of free yardage underneath, playing 10 yards off on third and short, just situations like that constantly. Teams easily took slants against him, out routes, curls all day. And then he did get burned for a guy who was playing off a lot to mitigate his issues with speed. He was still getting burned over the top a lot. So Johnson misses the season finale to cap off a really disappointing season. It just seems like he's hit the athletic wall, and I'm really not sure if he's going to be able to bounce back next season. I guess the best hope for the Jets would be that this season he was dealing with injury, and that was the reason that he wasn't able to press up and have the enough recovery speed to be able to play to his strengths because you need that speed to be able to get physical at the line and recover, and he didn't have it this season. So hopefully next season he can bounce back, but I just won't bet on it. The guy's going to be 29 uh, he'll be almost 30 at the start of next season. So uh, we'll see if he can bounce back. The Jets are stuck with him. So they got to hope that he does. So we'll see what happens. But he misses this last game because of some, he was late to practice throughout the week, which really isn't a good sign at all. We dealt with it with Wilkerson in the past. The Jets have a lot of experience with big name, big money players, making a bad example off the field. So Johnson being late to practice and missing the season finale, really bad sign. And I, I really couldn't be more disappointed with this guy, the way he's played this season. So hopefully he bounce back, bounces back next year. But what a disappointing signing this was by McCagnan so far. And another interesting facet of the defense that caught my eye in this game, I think that Neville Hewitt has started to be more exposed in coverage over the past couple of games. I think since he came in to replace Darren Lee at inside linebacker, I think that he's benefited from a really extraordinary amount of drops, bad throws that have really kind of let him fly under the let his mistakes and coverage fly under the radar a bit and kind of mask the mistakes that he's made and kind of make it harder to notice the difference in coverage quality between him and Darren Lee since Lee has gone out and in this over these past couple of games uh against Green Bay Jamal Williams he posted 60 receiving yards that was the most that the Jets have given up to a running back this season outside of uh Tariq Cohen of the Bears who had that 70 yard touchdown reception outside of that that was the most yards a running back has put up against the Jets this season. And then this week, uh, James White, he had a really big game receiving. Uh, he had a 17-yard touchdown that he was responsible for. Uh, so the Jets did give up a lot of production to the backs in the passing game against New England. And Hewitt was responsible for that touchdown from James White. So I think that over these past few games, I've really noticed a drop-off in coverage from Lee to Hewitt, and obviously Lee has had a lot of struggles in run defense. His first couple seasons, he really struggled. Obviously, the suspension is not promising at all, and he hasn't handled it all that well with his deleting of his social media and all this stuff. So there are a lot of reasons to criticize Darren Lee that are really justifiable, reasons that make sense to criticize him. But I do think that you have to understand that his coverage has been improved this season, and it's really helped this team. And since he's gone out, teams have been targeting running backs a lot more often and outside of a few drops and bad throws, the production has improved with teams passing to running backs and tight ends since Lee has gone out because Lee was doing really well 
in that role throughout the time that he played with the Jets this season. So hopefully next season, Lee can maintain what he was doing in coverage, hopefully improve his run defense. Obviously, it's been three years now. and We haven't seen much progression from Lee in the run game, but he did make a lot of strides in coverage this season. So hopefully with another season under his belt coming back next season, uh, hopefully he gets the suspension off field issues out of the way. But hopefully next season he can continue to play as well in coverage as he did this season because the drop off is clear from Lee to Hewitt. who, who And Hewitt's done a good job in the run game backing up Lee. He's definitely been an upgrade over Lee in that area, but it's a pass first league now. So that coverage ability definitely has a lot more value than his run defense. So we'll see if Lee can come back next season, maintain the level of coverage that he put out this season and hopefully improve his run defense a little bit more. So, but uh, I, I think that's about it for my thoughts with this Pats game. Dets lose 38 to three. And the most important part of the day was probably moving up in the draft. So they sit at number three. They weren't able to get any help from the 49ers or the Cardinals on this final week 17 Sunday. So the Jets will pick at third and it's going to be a crazy offseason. Todd Bowles is already out. So the coaching search is on. Mike McKagan stays, whether or not that's the right move. That's not going to be determined over the next few weeks. We'll see this year. If he lasts beyond this year, we'll see if Mike McKagan can improve his drafting, his free agency record, and build the Jets into a playoff team. So I think that'll do it for the Gangrene Nation podcast this week. Uh, Stay tuned. We'll be back plenty this season talking about the draft, free agency, head coach search, all that stuff throughout the offseason. So don't go anywhere. Continue to stay tuned with us throughout the offseason. It's only really getting started, really. I mean, over the second half, the Jets were uncompetitive. Darnold missed some games, so it was kind of a drag. But now is where it really picks up, and this is a key, key offseason as the Jets try to build around their franchise quarterback. And we're going to be here talking about it all throughout the next few months. So thanks a ton for listening in. I'll be back to talk some more Jets very soon. Talk to you. This has been the Gang Green Nation Podcast. Make sure to follow Michael on Twitter at Michael underscore Nanya and keep up with everything Jets at GangreenNation.com. Man, it sucks, man. We ended the season, what, 4 and 11? I don't even know what it was, man. 4 and 12. I mean, it's not it's not my standard. It's not. It shouldn't be the Jets standard. Um, it has to change. Um, you got to bring players in here, man. It's it's simple as that, man. It, it don't. It's not rocket science. It's not. Not have enough talent. No, we don't. I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and say we have talent. We have a lot of talent on the team, but we don't have a lot of dogs on this team. I'm put it like that. We don't. We just don't. You know what? You know what a dog is. Just you. You know what it is. Like simple a, as that. You talking about effort or like in by a little bit of everything, man. Fighting. Come on, man. You you know, you know. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts, check it out.